Good evening everyone and welcome tonight. This class is titled Fighting Depression and Negativity. It's a summary on chapters 24 on chapters 26 through 34. If you could please pass these handouts around. Um, any fault of the handout is completely mine, but any truth is most of this is a copy and paste from the Tanya. I've tried to call what I, what I would like to believe are highlights. So I want to tell you something about tonight's class. I take full responsibility for it in the sense that this is my choice. This is not the t I haven't gotten an inspiration. This is, this is what I have felt are highlights from the Tanya. I could be missing things. I hope and pray that I'm not, but I want to be clear about that. Um, and I've, after looking through these chapters, I've tried to break it up into five parts, which are the introduction that the Tanya itself, give, itself gives to these items, a thorough discussion on depression, followed by dullness of the heart, joy, and concluding with love your fellow as yourself. Now, right at, right at right the moment you look at this ob class objective, you know that I've already changed, changed things up. The way it's written in Tanya, it's written in a different order. And we'll talk about that as we get there. It's, uh... Okay, so the Tanya starts off with the in an introduction. The introduction is, you have two people fighting. You can have the strongest warrior fighting against a weaker man. If the warrior is just completely done for the day, he's lazy and in a bad mood, he can still lose. Strength is not everything. We need to have that joy. That is the introduction to Tanya. Let's see that inside. Just as it is with, again, most of these, all the quotes are directly from Tanya and I've put in the footnotes which chapter they're from. Just as it is with the victory over a physical opponent, for instance, two people who wrestle with each other, each other, each striving to fell the other. So you have two people that are fighting. If one of them is lazy and sluggish, he will easily be defeated and will fall, even if he be stronger than the other, since his laziness and sluggishness prevent him from revealing his strength. Similarly with the conquest of one's evil nature. So when we are talking about an inner fight between us, of the godly soul and the animalistic soul, we literally have two. We literally have two wrestlers that are fighting, and whoever is going to be stronger at the moment is going to win. And we're going to share. Tanya is going to share that strength. Number one is going to necessitate a lack of sadness, of depression and dullness of the heart, and more importantly, joy. Joy will bring strength. So first we're going to talk about how we can remove sadness, and then we're going to talk about how we can create that inner peace and happiness. Alcohol and medication. That's one way. That, that is a way. <laughs> but we're going to give you the true method. So with, within, let's jump right into what the Tanya calls Atzvos. Atzvos depression. It's a real thing. You know, I was, like I said, I was earlier by 
looking at the art, art of Vicky, and she has this masterpiece. And you'll see tomorrow, there's a short video, but it's a piece, I forgot the name of it, where basically you see all the troubles of the Jewish people. Um, and then you see how God is always going to protect us. But we, troubles are real. Pesach. What's Pesach? We'd say in Pesach, Vehisham, then every generation, people stand up against us. God protects us, but they're also standing up against us. Our trials are all real. And in our own lives, whether it's trials of livelihood, inner peace, children, health, whatever it may be, we all have significant challenges, right? If someone says they have no challenges, oftentimes that is their challenge. You know, they're not, they're not fully aware or, or, or accepting of the situation. We all have challenges. So how can we not let them get us down? So we're going to break down our challenges into four parts. One is going to be a physical challenge. You know, what, what we've discussed previously of livelihood, health, wealth, children. The next level is going to be if someone has sinned, which again is a real, a real story. You've sinned. Or, you know, I've sinned. How could I be happy? We're going to continue talking about if someone is challenged because they're having truly evil thoughts. And within the evil thoughts, is it when are these, when are these thoughts happening? And what's interesting is we're going to spend a lot of time talking about evil thoughts. Perhaps the reason is because, again, I, I can't talk for you, I can talk for myself. It's, it's very easy for us to have evil thoughts. Controlling from sin is something that most of us have the ability to say, wow, this is a sin. But when it comes to thoughts, that's challenging to control. Oftentimes we feel like we can't. And so we're really going to try and dig in and say, what can we do? Let, let's start off from physical items. So let's take the, and I think each one of us could think for ourselves, what's a real physical challenge we're dealing with? Mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. Fine. Mowing the lawn is something that is a true physical challenge, and obviously you don't have the money to hire a gardener, and your neighbors are complaining, and you're about to be evicted from your home, home because the, the grass is too... Hi. Fine. This is a scary thing. You're going to be evicted. So what should you do? Or not what, not what should you do? What, what, what's, what's happening here? How can we find happiness in this? If you see in the from physical items, I just want you to jump to the italics. We'll read it in a moment. But Ashrei HaGever... Happy is the man whom you, God, spelled Yud, then a hey, chasten. Lucky is a person who Hashem challenges or brings, to be more honest to the translation, Yisurim, Tiasrenu. Lucky is the man who God truly brings real hardships. What, what do you mean, lucky is the man? Who, who, this is the time. This is King David. Said this. King David, David Hamalach in Tehillim. He says, "Ashrei Hagever Shetiyasrenuka." Happy is the man who, whom you, God, chasten. That's confusing. It is confusing, <laughs> Daniel. 
so we have a custom, if, if you don't mind, that the Tanya, no, 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 welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you. I want, I want to bring you a lot of blessing. I want to bring you a lot of blessing. So we have a custom to always have it on the, on the, on the header. I want you to have a lot of blessing, and that's going to be a, a, a way to... Damon, I didn't see. I apologize. I, I now I picked on Daniel. Oh, boy. <laughs> Damon was making you feel comfortable. Okay, but I, all right, I'm going to interrupt. Adam, but I had a question, too. I know, but you brought up about mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. Okay. I wanted to bring about, what if somebody has low back pain or something that's a real distraction to them? Yeah. I don't mean to say that mowing a lawn is not, you know. Tanya is talking about much worse than lower back pain. I'm much worse than mowing the lawn. Yes. Tanya is talking about, unfortunately, if people have lost loved ones, mm -hmm. if people are really going to be evicted from their homes, right. you know, or they're living on the street, mm -hmm. someone. But losing a loved one is an emotional pain. Not necessarily a physical pain. So Tanya is talking about any physical... So when I say physical, I don't mean phys physical as well. I, I mean anything that is, is painful, not from a, for a godly reason. That's what I'm trying to say by okay. physical. But it is physical too, if you lose a loved one. Yeah, you're depressed. Yeah. You can't, you can't okay. get up and, the grief is. and face the day. Mm -hmm. You want to share something? Well, no, our children. That's all included in this first conversation. And that is, it's, it's something that it's hard to appreciate. But Ashrei HaGever, lucky is a person whom, to whom Hashem gives hardships. Now before I continue, I want to share this past Purim. I was by a Farbrengen. And at the Farbrengen, this was the topic of the Farbrengen. The topic was People are suffering. People are suffering. And how, how do we understand this? And the answer is we don't understand it. We don't understand it. But one message Tanya is leaving with is a, an extremely deep message. The message is, Shmuel, you believe in God? Yes. You believe in God. So do you... Are, do you believe that you are God, or do you believe you're physical and God is above, but God is everything? Door number two. Door number two. So then, do you think that you need to understand what God does? Yeah, I'd love to. No, no. Do you need to be able to? <laughs> do I need to be able to yeah. understand what God does? Yeah. Sure, I would like to. Not would you like to. Am I able to? Not are you able to. Is it, is it only right that you, that you should be able to? Yeah, uh, yeah sure. To is it only right that I should be able to? But isn't that what Tanya is all about? Thank you. Sure. I'm going to say the exact opposite. If you believe that God exists, and God is above everything, and you're physical... So then how can you understand God? It's belittling almost. When someone says, I don't understand God. When you get a minute, I want to jump. Sure. When someone says, I don't understand God, you're right, you don't understand God. Because God is God and you're a human. It's not a problem. It's not a contradiction. 
The fact that you don't understand God doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. With this introduction, we can now talk about the message Tanya is saying. The highest aspects, and we'll see this in Tanya in a moment, the highest levels of God come in a hidden way. The highest levels of God come in concealed good. The highest levels of God come in concealed good. In concealed? Concealed good. Meaning it may look bad. Oh. Concealed. It may, I was concealed good. It's good. Of course what Hashem is doing is good. But it's concealed good because to me and you, it looks like bad. Ashrei HaGever, lucky is the person who, 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 to whom Hashem brings challenges because what we perceive as challenges is really God's loving kindness. Let's see the words in Tanya. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm trying to share. Let's see the words and then I'll take your comment. Depression from physical items. This is the words now, sound advice is the words of Tanya. Sound advice has been offered by our sages on cleansing one's heart of all sadness and, and any trace of worry about mundane matters, even a sadness or worry caused by the lack of such essentials as children, health, or, or livelihood. What is the advice? The meaning of the verse, happy is the man whom you, God, spelled yud chasten. Let's now look in footnote number three. Again, this is from Tanya. Footnote number three. Since the verse speaks of man's suffering, only the letters Yud and He are mentioned. Let's explain what this means. Hashem's name has four letters. Yud, then a He, then a Vav, then a He. The the verse that says, Lucky is a man whom God cha- who got, who, to whom God chastens, says God using the letters only Yud and He. Telling us that the, what we perceive as hardships are really coming from the higher level of God. Let's now look back in footnote number 3. We'll see that. Since the verse speaks of man's suffering, only the letters Yud and He are mentioned. Only the first two letters of God's name. Man sees misfortune only because he cannot perceive that which derives from a higher, hidden level of godliness. We can't see everything godly. So we don't see the godliness in it. We don't see the good in it. In truth, however, the misfortunes are actually blessings in disguise. On the contrary, they represent an even higher level of good than the revealed good, since they originate in a higher world. I want to say one more thing before, before David. So by this Farbrengen on Purim, one of the things that, that we were discussing is, it is our responsibility to ask God never to test us. You shouldn't leave this class and say, oh, I want, I want God's love, let him test me. No. It is our responsibility to, and not only is it our responsibility, every day in, in prayer we say, Do not test me, God. 
And someone that is going through a challenge, you shouldn't look at them and say, I'm so happy that you just lost all your money. God's showering you with blessings. No. We have to cry for them. And we have to ask that Hashem remove all challenges from us. But that doesn't mean that the challenges are not from a deeper level of godliness. Yes, David. I would respectfully in part disagree uh, and that this is what the Tanya imparts to me. Uh, that we in increasing levels, depending upon our studies, are able to indeed comprehend God. And that is because we have a godly soul. And the realization of the essence of the godly soul is the understanding that that is part of Hashem that is within us. To the degree that we understand that, to the degree we understand Hashem. Uh, and we have to have that, because if we don't, then we negate the aspect of the godly soul. So I agree with David 100%. It is our responsibility to try as much as we can to understand Hashem. But not to let our lack of understanding have an effect. Yes. But you've got to be on the path in order to get it. Because if you haven't even opened the gate to get on the path, you're not doing any learning, you're not being challenged, you're not going to the higher levels. Yes. Sitting at home watching basketball. You but need to you need to learn. Yes. It is a continue, but that's the, the yeah. uh, So which gate? You, uh, every time you go any length, there's another gate. Right. It's a process of opening gates. I know. I understand that, but I'm not talking about the people that have chosen to open the gate and go on the path. I'm talking about the people who haven't even opened the gate. They don't. They won't even get any anything. Do, do they get something? I don't say they won't get what the godliness, the understanding of Hashem, or the, the attempt to understand who Hashem is, or... Godliness the, is the same by everyone. The understanding of it is... is what they understand, of, of course, they're going to lack that understanding. Okay, but what we're talking about here is that we're opening a gate to deeper understanding. Yes. So we can understand Hashem better, we can understand our Judaism better, yes. or whatever religion it is, I, I would say probably the majority of people never go down that path to a deeper understanding or not. Yeah. To the degree that they move on that path is their responsibility as is given by Hashem. I appreciate that point, Mark. Yes, it is our responsibility to try and draw as many people in to educate them or to learn with them and share what we can understand about Hashem. Here is the clay. No, make, I know. Make, I, make, I, I, make of it no, what you will. I, I, yeah. so, so Daniel asked. <coughs> Daniel asked. I is forgot. It a deeper union. It's a deeper union, and, and does, does that reveal concealment? Bring a deeper union. Well, we're going to learn actually in chapter thirty-five. Is going to be that Hashem is everywhere equally. The question is, how revealed is He? So yes, some of that is learning is revealing it much deeper. But the union is the same. Because Hashem is one, equally everywhere and everything. The union with an uh, Can I bring us back to where we were here? No. Sure. With this, um, sure, sure. Uh, sadness because of bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To find the way through there. Naive question. How do we know 
that that comes from a higher hidden aspect. How do we know it's higher? Just because the yudhei? I mean, how do we know it's higher? It's a very good question. How do we know that challenges come from a deeper source? Deeper equivalent to higher in this instance? Yes, yes, yes. And that is something that this verse is teaching us. No, what's the t- t- tell me? I, I see you have a frustration. I'm not clear. No, it's not, I'm not frustrated. It just seems like that's kind of circuitous reasoning. Why? It's like saying uh, if I say A B C, then yeah. you can understand that they're in the order of A B C because I said they're A B C. Ah, I understand the question. I understand the question. God is always spelled yud yud then a hey then above then a hey. Yeah. This verse is a very unique verse that spells God in, in, an, in a different way. Yeah. So what's the lesson from that? Why is God's name only written with two letters, not all four, whereas almost everywhere else it's written with all four letters? Well, it's, yeah. there are many different names for Hashem also, right? Yeah. But spelled the way you do is on a much more personal level. We can't discuss or utter the concept if we say the four letters, if we say the two letters, it becomes personal and we can talk about it, can't we? No, all of them cannot be, all names of God cannot be said. How without. do we know it's from this higher, deeper source? Okay. Because everything is from, everything yeah, is from. Yeah, is a closer name of God. But we say it's higher, we say it's deeper. That means there must be other levels, there must be other aspects. So I want to share a few places. I didn't want to jump into all the sources, but as we're learning now, I'll share. First of all, there's a Gemara. The Gemara says, does anyone know the blessing you make if you win the lottery? Thank God. That, that's, what, what's the specifics of it? God bless and keep the relatives far away from me. Is it for the miracle? Would it be a Shehechianu? What do you say? Hatova Hametiv? This is a good question. It's a very practical question. God willing, you'll all win. This is going to help answer my question? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm The Gemara says, well, let me flip the question. Does anyone know you, the, the, does anyone know the blessing you make when something really tragic happens? Oh, sure. You mean Kaddish? Well, like the Kaddish there's a blessing you make. You make of something really tragic. If someone, God forbid, loses a loved one, they make a blessing. Baruch Atah Melech HaOlam. What's the blessing? Tayan at the true judge. Oh yeah. You say it. Unfortunately, if someone has, has if someone has buried a loved one, they, they, they say that blessing. God willing, no one should ever need to say it again. Isn't that blessing at a funeral also? Yeah, that's the blessing. Yeah, you make it. What does the Gemara say? Listen to this. Keshem shemevarech al hatova, just like you bless on good, you need to make the blessing on bad. With the same energy and excitement that you bless good, you need to bless bad. That's what the Gemara says. Did we ever answer? What do you say? Not to jump around here, but did we ever answer the question about the blessing you say if you win the lottery? 
Does that answer say? The, uh, the answer would be either if you're if there's more than one person happy, you would say Hatova Hamitiv. Hatova Hamitiv. Yeah. Remember that. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. But I want what's the blessing again for something bad? Not the Dayan Hemet, the true judge. But that's that's um, um for the loss, loss of a loved one. Is it one that's not quite that? is for something bad, period. Something really tragic. If something really tragic happens, you would say that blessing. So the Gemara is teaching us that the same love that Hashem is showing us, and we show Hashem when something good has happened, is also when something bad has happened. The Gemara's source is this verse. Where we're saying... Lucky is a man whom God has chast... You're lu- what does it mean, lucky? Forget about the wording of the, which name of God it is. What, what is King David saying, you're a lucky man to be challenged? He's telling you that you're, there's something special that's happening that God is giving you within that challenge. Clear? That, yeah, that, that's clear enough. I still don't understand why one is higher than another. Ah, every letter of God. I appreciate it. Every letter of God gives different energy. Thank you. I'm going to be very brief because that's a bigger conversation that we'll get to in Tanya. Very good question. Hashem's name has four letters. Yud and Ahay, then Avav, then Ahay. Now, the first letter Yud represents Yud has no form. The form of Yud is a dot. That dot represents godliness without any contraction. It's just a dot. There's no detail. So the Yud, the first letter Yud of Hashem's name, represents one of the highest forms of godliness. The He then is now expanding. The He has expansion. The first He is expanding that oneness of God. The Vav is a funnel that takes that energy straight down. A Vav is a straight letter. And the final He is taking that energy that's come straight down and expanded it even more. So when I, when the when King David tells us in Tanya that the, the, the love that comes in challenges is from the first two letters of Hashem, that is a much higher level than if he would say it's also coming from a level including the last two letters of Hashem's name. We'll leave it for another time. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Yes. 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 I've seen other special names for Hashem that are, are not supposed to be shared okay. with too many other people, mm-hmm. right? right? Mm-hmm. However, without casting this aside or saying it doesn't count, you could say it doesn't count because the whole alphabet is Lashon HaKodesh. So the discussion of it, the reading of it, the saying of the blessings, the whole thing is an exercise in godliness. I didn't understand. But the Aleph is more good. What is the difference between one Hebrew letter and the other? The their, their form have different energies. They all have energy, yes. But do, are, do they constitute a whole such that the study of them is godly and that they constitute Lashon HaKodesh, a holy act? Right, each letter is a holy letter. So, the contemplation of Hashem is in the reading and study of all of the holy language, not just the two letters. We don't just pull those out. The whole act Fair. I mean, is ascending. I appreciate that. 
and it's, it's a conversation for a further time. And I, I appreciate it. But, but let's just regroup here. That's okay. We've got till 10 o'clock. <laughs> if someone is depressed from, from, from a physical matter, mm-hmm. something that truly breaks their heart, th- yeah. try to internalize that Hashem is showing you His deepest level of love. Is it because he's paying attention? The Not fact that, that you, always, but the yeah. fact that you can't see the love mm-hmm. is because it's it's a, it's a deeper love mm-hmm. than we can see. If we could see it, that means that it's coming from a lower level that we understand. Mm-hmm. Things that we don't understand come from a place of Hashem that's even higher than our understanding. Mm-hmm. That's what the Tanya said mm-hmm. in, in, in footnote 3. Man sees misfortune only because he cannot perceive that which derives from a higher hidden level of godliness. Mm-hmm. We look at it as something sad because we can't see the good within it. What happens if someone is sad from sin? Again, this is a real sadness. I've sinned. I've I've done some real inappropriate sins. Something that a human should not do. So I, I should be depressed. I should be sad. I'm a rotten individual. What happens to the people that sin that don't know it's a sin? Let's hold that question. I'll be happy to talk about it. So Tanya is going to share that if someone is depressed from a sin, it's coming from selfishness. Mm. It's coming from selfishness. You're not worried about God, you're worried about yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's not let this get us down. Let's focus. Mm-hmm. Let's see that inside. As for sadness connected with heavenly matters, this is what he should consider. Now is not the time for proper genuine sadness, nor even for worry over grave sins, God forbid. Mm-hmm. For this one must set aside opportune times when the mind has come. Mm-hmm. What is Tanya saying? Tanya is saying oftentimes we get down and we think we're doing what Hashem wants. We get hard on ourselves, we beat ourselves up, and we tell ourselves, I am a bad person and Hashem wants me to beat myself up. Tanya is saying, you've, got, you've gotten it all wrong. Hashem loves you. No matter how much you've sinned, Hashem loves you. And if you're beating yourself up, it's not because of God, it's because, it's because of yourself. What you need to do is, you, you did something wrong. And set times to think about it and try and repent for that act. But if this is bothering you beyond those times, not if, we need to stop it from bothering you beyond those times. How? By telling yourself that it's, this is not what Hashem wants. This is a very powerful, powerful lesson. And this is a, a lesson that Hasidus teaches us. Different, different Hasidus shares that Hashem loves us. And 
he wants the best for us. He cares for us, right? Punishment is not to hurt. It's to make you the best you can be. Something I just read I wanted to actually share about this point. Ah! I'm, I'm gonna, I must share something on the parish about this point. Beautiful point. This week's Torah portion is called Tazria. Tazria means, it's talking about when a woman gives birth to a child. One of the greatest, one of the greatest things that we see today is the growth of a child. What an amazing thing. But Tazria continues talking about people that have sinned and gotten leprosy. How will we compare? So this whole portion is called the portion of childbirth. Mm-hmm. And yet it talks about such low things. How, how could that be? When God gives someone leprosy, it's really a lesson. He's trying to tell them different items, whether it's they were talking too much Lashon Hara, too much evil slander, whatever it may be. But when you've corrected something, if there's been a punishment, you're like a new child. You start again. Hashem allows us to, if we've sinned, that's fine, but like a child has a new start, we all have a new start. That's why even within the sins, it's under the title of, it's sins and punishment, it's under the title of childbirth, because once we've flipped over the sin, we're able to start a new slate. Tanya here is telling us that if we've sinned, we need to deal with it, but Hashem does not want to get us down. Any questions about this? Is Tsaros and Tsaros the same root? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And any other questions? Okay, let's, let's continue. If someone is having depression from evil thoughts, and these evil thoughts are not happening at a holy time. Okay, so you're driving on your way to work, and you saw something inappropriate and it triggered your mind somewhere. So now you have a few options. Option one is to tell yourself what a filthy person you are. That's an option. Option two is to tell yourself you're just a human and, and just don't worry about it. Just, just to keep on seeing whatever you want to see, think about whatever you want to think. Or option three is to say... Again, this is such a powerful point. Every time your mind wanders and you bring it back, you're fulfilling a biblical command. Mm-hmm. It's a command in the Shema. We say in Shema, we just said in Myriv, you shall not follow after your heart and after your eyes. So every time that you see something inappropriate or you think something and you're able to bring yourself back, you fulfilled the biblical command. So, so why should you go ahead and say what a filthy person I am that I saw this? Why do you go ahead and say what an amazing person that I just fulfilled the biblical command by having this inappropriate thought and immediately bringing my, my mind back? Hmm. Is everyone with me? Are you familiar with these words in the Shema? That's good. We say in the Tzitzis, in the, in the third paragraph of Shema, about the Tzitzis, we say that you shouldn't follow your eyes. And 
That's why actually there's a custom in the Shema. When you say these words, you should actually look at your tzitzis. Such a, such a custom. So that's number one. Step number one is if you have a ne- negative thought, an inappropriate, and, and we're talking about a really inappropriate thought, but if immediately you could bring yourself back, you fulfill the biblical command. What an amazing opportunity. It's an opportunity that tzaddikim, that don't have these negative thoughts, don't have. And second of all, says to Tanya, well, let's see that inside. The first bullet on page two. He fulfills the injunction, you shall not follow after your heart and after your eyes, by which you go astray. Okay, you fulfill the biblical command. And second of all, the Zohar in Parshat Truma extols the divine satisfaction that occurs when the Sitra Achara, the evil, is subdued here below. So, in order to subdue evil, you have to have contact with evil. And the Zohar is telling you that when you have contact with evil, and you're able to control it, subdue it, you are bringing one of the greatest satisfactions to Hashem possible, so let's see that inside, for thereby God's glory rises above all, more than by any other praise. You could be in shul, davening for six years straight. And someone else could go out in the street, be in the, in the marketplace, in business, and see something inappropriate and control their mind in an instant. That person who has controlled his mind has accomplished something greater than any other praise. So when you have this challenge, and you immediately control yourself. Not only should you not tell yourself what a filthy person you are, you should tell yourself, wow, I've just fulfilled one of the 613 commandments and I've elevated God's glory to a place that no praise can bring. Do you have to consciously acknowledge that? Like, no. I just sinned and... Whoa, whoa, why did you sin? How did you sin? Well, or... Say I had an impure thought about another woman. So, so let, let, me, let me tell you. In, previously in Tanya we learned that if someone has a thought and immediately controls themselves, then they are still, they could still be within the status of a Bainani. If you get, if someone had a thought about something else and they let their mind wander there, that's a, that then would be a sin. If someone's mind started, a topic came up and they controlled it, they at that moment have just fulfilled a biblical command. And they've elevated God more than any other praise. But, so, Go ahead. So my question is, is I, I don't have to say, you know, my mind wondered, ah, I acknowledge I'm bringing it back. And therefore, I fulfilled the biblical commandment. No. The biblical commandment like is happening. Okay. That's right. There's been many times in all of your lives where, where thoughts have popped in and you've controlled yourself and you've fulfilled this command. You know, that's what we learn. Every Jew is full of mitzvahs. The Gemara and Chagiga says that the greatest sinner has mitzvahs like a pomegranate. Has a ton of mitzvahs. Because... Hashem has given us so many mitzvahs. Oftentimes we say it's so hard. No, no. Hashem has made it that every silly thing you do could be a mitzvah. When you see someone else in the store and you let them go first, if you assist someone who needs help when walking, these are, these are commandments. And the same thing here. When you, as a decent human being, control your mind, you fulfill the biblical command. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So I'm doing permissible thoughts. 
there's many things that the Torah allows us to do. But we still learn that we, sh we should be holy. Be holy means <laughs> that, just, that not every permissible thing should we do. Kedoshim Tiyud is a another, it's a biblical command that we need to sanctify God's name. Actually, that's the, you'll see, I'm going to skip to the second bullet. You fulfill the positive commandment of the Torah, Kedoshim Tiyud, sanctify yourself and be holy. So for example, well, let me give you an example. If you have the option to go ahead and pray now, or you have the option to go ahead and watch a movie, are you sinning right now by watching the movie before prayer? I don't know what the movie is about, but as long as it's a, you're not sinning. But however, when you do go ahead and you say, first I'm going to pray to God, or whatever the example may be in your life, so you're fulfilling a command, which is to sanctify yourself. The command is to try as much as we can to sanctify ourselves. Mm. And second of all, Let's read the first bullet. In matters that are fully permissible, every act of sacrificing one's impulse, even if for only a short while, the glory of God and His holiness is greatly elevated on high. Hmm. We're elevating God even higher. What this means, one of the examples Tanya gave us was that sometimes people would push off their meals for a little bit. Just to try and say, you know, I don't need to eat right at this moment. I could push it off a little bit. They would try to, they would try to create with in their own life a way to show that the physical is secondary. Yeah. Not that we don't need to eat. Not that we, we need to take care of our body. We need to be healthy. But <laughs> this is another example. You could eat with such an energy that you love the food and you're all over the food. You could, it's, it's, it's an inappropriate method of eating. But did you sin? You didn't sin. Is there, could you show me one of the 600, one of the biblical injunctions is not to eat in a... Oh. But have you, have, you, have you fulfilled a commandment when you go ahead and you eat like a, like a Jew? Like a, yes. yes. <laughs> in that first point that you raised in this, is that not the whole point of physically putting on a girdle and thinking about what you're doing and elevating your? No, that's a good point. Thank you. Yes, when we when we pray, we have a custom to wear something to actually put it around our body in preparation. First of all, for the focus, actually also to separate between the two halves of our body and really try and prepare ourselves. Yes, yes. So let's. I'm gonna. We're gonna try and finish the last piece. What happens if you have inappropriate thoughts during divine service? We'll summarize and we'll take questions. So, we've discussed, and I know this has been fast and brief, but we've discussed what happens if someone is down from physical challenges, if someone is down from sin. We've discussed if someone is down from inappropriate thoughts, not during prayer or divine service. But what happens if you have inappropriate thoughts? You're in shul. You're in the middle of praying, and now you're having inappropriate thoughts. Well, now you're really a bad guy. I don't know. You know, like... Like thinking, like... When's this going to be over? <laughs> <laughs> well, you think like, when's the rabbi going to finish his speech? Like, that's yeah. probably it. Well, yeah. each one of us will have our, what we, at our level, have an inappropriate thought. So what, what, what's something we could share at that moment? We, we know when you wrestle with someone, when that, the person, when he's almost done, he's going to give his last, he's going to give his last strength. 
So if the evil energy is fighting with you at a time of prayer, that means you're doing really good. <laughs> you know, that means you're in a good place. And he's trying to catch you, he's saying, ah, I need to catch you now. Mm-hmm. That's point A. Point B is what should you do? To, what should you talk and do? You're in the middle of prayer. This is something amazing Tanya says. Two things. Number one is you need to ignore him. But what happens if you can't ignore this evil thought? You should just pray to God and say, God, I can't handle it. Not often we see this. But at some point you have to say, Hashem, I need your help here. Let's see that inside. If you're having these inappropriate thoughts during divine service, so you should draw fresh strength with increased joy. For it is known the way of combatants that when one is gaining the upper hand, the other likewise strives to prevail. So first of all, the fact that in Shul, the, the evil is trying to catch you now, that's quite a good sign. B. What should you do? Pretend to be deaf without hearing. And to comply with the verse, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest even you become like him. We have a saying, we say, if you fight with a muddy person, you're going to get muddy also. It's not a, don't, don't try and fight. Try and ignore him. But if he finds it hard to dismiss them, the foreign thoughts, you should supplicate him, God, in his thought, to have compassion upon him in his abundant mercy. So there are times we have to turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, I can't handle it anymore. So let's uh, put this all together and we'll take some closing, closing thoughts. The, the, the summary of everything is we can't be down. And I know, first of all, of course, we understand that there is something called clin- um, a medical depression. Mm-hmm. We're not, that's not our conversation. There, there, is, there are people that have a challenge and those challenges, with the help of God, perhaps a licensed professional could help. And that's something that, as, that it is our belief, talking about recently, there's been a lot of conversation with, amongst the Jewish world and amongst the Orthodox world. Do we believe in medicine? You know, do we believe in uh, vaccinations? And uh, I know within Chabad, the Chabad movement specifically, there's been a very strong cry from all the rabbis that uh, God created medicine and, and we, if there's if there's vaccination, they should be used out. This is God's miracle, you know. Um, so, but someone that is having a challenge, we've given, we, we need to always try and remain positive. That, that's a short summary. Are there any questions? <laughs> I was just going to say Esther Jungress. Yeah, yeah. You know, blessed memory. Uh, she has a, a short little talk on depression where she says, you know, not clinical depression that where there's a physiological deficit, but that it's, it's a sin. Not that you should feel bad that you're sinning, but it's a sin because if you're depressed, you can't pray, you can't connect to God. Right. And not that you should feel guilty because you're depressed, but try to look at it the other way because you if you're connecting to God, it's hard to be... I appreciate that point. Thank you for sharing. I was just going to say, if a person is sad, then they ought to pray. Right, and that will help them feel better. Yeah, so you can pray if you're sad. What? One can. She meant if you're overcome by depression so mm-hmm. much to that. That you, you wouldn't even You don't even see, or you don't even feel the presence of God because oh, you're so right. covered in darkness. All you're doing is dwelling on mm. your sadness. 
The light doesn't penetrate at all. Pretty hard to imagine. It happens. 